So last week we began, Pastor Milky began, and today we continue this idea of a dream, the Christian dream, if we may, or living the dream. And, and what we mean by that is each letter stands for something. Last week we started with the middle Eucharist, it is the middle of our life, and today we move back to the beginning, D, for devotion. Eucharist, if you think about it, it's what we do in this place. We come together to receive the body and blood of Christ. But then as we go from this place, what do we do with that? We have received Jesus into ourselves. Now, where do we go from there? And that's what devotion is all about. Eucharist sets this weekly rhythm to our life. Devotion then sets more of a a daily rhythm. What is the rhythm of our relationship with Jesus, not here in our sanctuary, but in our homes? I love this logo the school is using this year, this family matters. And you'll see the church is, is the white and the spire rising out of it, the place where we find Christ. But in the middle then, it's a home. It's our homes. And the spire rises out of that too. As Jesus dwells with us, we then go home and we we go to our homes and our houses play, become a place where Jesus dwells. And we know that, we talk about that, we think about that, but what exactly does that even mean? That our, church, our homes, too, are these, these churches out in our neighborhoods and our communities. A, a word we use is domestic church. And you've heard us say that before uh, from the Latin domus, which means home or house. And the domestic church is, is the Christian home. Uh, the Christian home is where we first hear the faith. Just think about that for a moment. The Christian home is where we first hear the faith. No one, no, no women have given birth in the baptismal font. Right? No, you, you go to the hospital or whatever and then you come home. And it's the mother and the father who tell of the faith first to their children. It's only later you come to church and you hear the word and receive the gifts of God. So the Christian home is where we first hear the faith. For this reason, the family is called the domestic church or the home church, a community of grace that is forgiveness and prayer, a school, a place we learn of human virtue and of Christian charity. And that comes from parents teaching their children, caring for their children, bringing Jesus, who they received, back home for their family. And all of us have experienced this because all of us at one point were part of a family and are part of families, as broken as they may be. And our families are called to then live out the gospel. And it becomes this rhythm of daily living. It's, it's a living liturgy. Even as we here gather and go through the liturgy, when we're in our homes, we gather and we call on the triune God. When we're in our homes, we offer up forgiveness to each other as we just spoke confession and received absolution. We're called to sing. We're called to, to read God's word and to talk about our faith. And then as we gather for meals, what do we do around meals at home? We pray, just as we pray here for the food we're about to receive. And then we send ourselves out to our work and to our school and to our other places we go, retirement or wherever you may be. This is the rhythm of our life. 
Colossians uh, puts it this way. Paul writes, Put on then as God's chosen ones compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. This is about the body of Christ. We as a believer here, this is how we're called to treat each other. But how much more do we have to live this out in our own homes? To live out these virtues, this calling to the Christian life for ourselves and for our our family. This is our call as Christians. And And then Paul continues with this, and be thankful. That's what Eucharist means, thankfulness. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Sometimes we think songs, those are things you do in church. No, sing in your homes. Be singing the songs of the church in your homes. This is what we're called to do. This is where we're in, our, in the homes we are, this is what we're called to live out. And we call it devotion. Sometimes we break down devotion into a simple, we give you a booklet at Advent and Lent and read through it over the next 30, 40 days and have fun. Good luck. It's so much more. The word itself is interesting because the way the church often uses it is not exactly how it's defined. We usually use the word devotion as get a devotion book and it's something you do. But devotion itself is an is a attitude or a stance towards another. It's love, loyalty, or enthusiasm for a person, activity, or cause. In our case, we use the word devotion to describe how we show love, loyalty, and enthusiasm for our God, for Jesus. And again, a lot of times we think most basically it's reading our Bibles, right? It's, it's something like this. This is how we show our God love, loyalty, and enthusiasm. Uh, A father perhaps reading his Bible to his children. um, That's ideal. That's probably more realistic. I I love the little boy right there. That's my favorite. Um, Yeah. Sometimes we think if we just do devotions, we read our Bible once in a while, our kids will be those perfect children, the pious saints we've always wanted to be them to be. But that's not the case, is it? That's not the promise of God. The promise of God is that he's with you. Devotion is not necessarily trying to manipulate your kids to be perfect. They're not. They're sinners. But it's to make all of us learn how to rely on God. On his strength, on his gifts, on his sacrifice. So that all we do, all we say, is relying on God. And it needs to be a rhythm throughout our day, from sunrise to sunset. What's the first thing you do in the morning? What is the first thing you do in the morning? The majority of Americans now reach for their phone before anything else in the morning. Even before they turn over and say to their spouse, I love you, they grab their phone. Let alone time with Jesus. 
What is the last thing you do at night? Do we give thanks for the day we've been granted? Do we worship God? Do we turn to Him? It's far too easy in the busyness of day and the day to forget Jesus or to neglect Jesus. Devotion is to start our entire morning throughout our entire day and into the evening to relying on Him. To turning to Him. One of the things that keeps us, I've heard, Pastor, I can't do it first thing in the morning because I don't have a Bible in my room. There's a nightstand or there's something next to you. I'll let you problem solve that. Or maybe just commit it to memory. So every day you wake up and you say, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Something as simple as a psalm. So that our entire day finds purpose in Jesus. Not in all the other things we're busy with. One of the ways we do that is blessing. Look through the Old Testament. Fathers bless their children all the time in the Old Testament. Fathers bless their children. This is Jacob blessing uh, his son Joseph. Jesus blessed the children. He had them all gather and he offered them a blessing. And now Jesus, who gives himself to us, sends us into our homes to do what? To bless our children. This is something we practice in our homes. Every night, my kids, when they go to bed, we trace the sign of the cross on their foreheads after their prayers, and we say, you are a blessed and forgiven child of God. So that whatever they did that day, they know that they are God's child and that they are forgiven. Even if mom and dad are having a hard time coming to terms with that, they are forgiven. And they're God's children, not mine. Again, it's part of our rhythm. Last night, I was able to bless a child in baptism, and at 1030, we have two more baptisms. And towards the beginning, we trace the sign of the cross upon their foreheads and upon their hearts to mark them as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. We bless our children because then the entire assembly gathered around them and said with them that we're going to pray for this child. We're going to lift them up in the faith. And we're going to support the parents and godparents as they do just that. And even if you weren't there last night and you're not there at 1030, you as part of this body of faith are proclaiming the same thing. That these children will be in your prayers and you will support them and bring them before our Lord. Last week, last week you all prayed for, for myself and a bunch of fifth graders on our confirmation retreat. And it was a great time. It was an incredible time. I'm so glad to be back in my bed. But it was still a great time, and you prayed for us because we are all your children. You see, it's our family at home, and it's our family here. Devotion is not just for us. It's for this family of faith. And it's for all of us, no matter the stage of life we're in. A lot of times this is just, you know, family with kids, and and that's what I can speak to. It's because it's what I know. I'm in the throes of it. But the rhythm of life in Christ is also important for the single person who has freedom, but also perhaps misses more of a constant companionship. Or for those married without children for whatever reason, and they have their own joys and struggles and pains. Or for those who are now empty empty nesters and are grieving the loss of children now going on in their own ways. 
for widows and widowers. We suffer that pain of losing such a constant companion. We all need the rhythm of Jesus in our lives. We all have to draw on his promises in our lives. It's all we have. See, we're, we're many and varied, but at the end of the day, we all have the same need. And sin tries to draw us away from Jesus. Sin tries to keep us distracted or to believe that we have this all figured out on our own. But whatever our walk of life, we walk with Jesus. All of us gathered in this place are called to walk with Jesus. And so we go to his promises. We receive his promises. But again, it's more than just reading the Bible. It's about everything. Our entire home. Who does this guy like? Anyone? Want to venture a guess? It's a chance he likes the cups. I'm going to say there's a chance. So in this place... People gather together for the rites and rituals of a baseball team. They gather around the table to receive food and drink and to watch that thing to which they pay great homage. It's a sh- is it a shrine? It's a shrine! Maybe some of our houses look like this. Maybe not so elaborate. But a lot of times people walk into our house and they know what fans we are, of what teams. Do they know who our God is? You don't have to convince this guy to go watch a Cubs game, do you? No. He wants to. He desires to. This is what Deuteronomy says. Uh, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach. They're with you always. They're in your heart. They can't Get away from you. You can't get away from them. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. All times of the day. Talking about a rhythm of your life. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. They're always right in front of you. You can't miss them. You can't forget them. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Why? So that anyone who enters into your house knows who God is. And that you believe in this God. I found this awesome picture uh, of someone's basically home altar. If you walked into this person's house, some of you are thinking that's a little excessive. If you walked into this person's house, would you know who God is? Would you know that they are Christians? Without a doubt. Why would we be cynical of such a thing? Our houses are holy places. Jesus, God dwells in the tabernacle in the Old Testament, right? God dwells in the tabernacle. Jesus now dwells within us, which makes us a living tabernacle, which we then go home with, bringing with us Jesus into our homes, so that our homes then become a dwelling place of God. Your homes are holy places. Holy, sacred places. And that's true in spirit, but does the physical outward appearance reflect the promises of God? 
And so it's art. Or it's even music. We love music. Music is so powerful. What music resonates through our homes. And again, this is not a checklist. This is not a, I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do. This is not a checklist of what needs to be done. Again, Mr. Cubs fan doesn't need to be told, you have to watch this, you have to do. He wants to. And sin, again, tries to keep us from desiring this truly, but our hearts need to grow in love of God, devotion of God. I love that definition of devotion, enthusiasm. Are we enthusiastic about going to our God in prayer and in the scriptures and receiving what he has to give us? This is who we are on a much deeper fundamental level than what team we cheer for. On Facebook, people will post little pictures of their babies with a new IU alum or something. What if we got that excited about children of God in the waters of baptism? And many of us are, and that's a great joy. We are. Again, it becomes a rhythm. One of the things we do as, as pastors, and um, I encourage you, if you're interested to, to give me a call, is, is house blessings. Maybe you don't know that. Pastors will sometimes go to houses when people have a new residence or a new apartment, and they will walk through and pray over the rooms. That God would bless his dwelling place. I found this picture of a, a pastor who's doing it in this beautiful pink, pink room. To remind ourselves that our homes are holy places. They're ordinary, they're plain, they're ours. But they're holy, dedicated and consecrated to God and his work so that our faith is reflected in our homes and the way we live even with each other there and with our neighbors as we invite them in to be with us there. And this family bond is sealed by blood. We talk about family blood uh, family bonds that way, right? We're blood brothers or whatever it may be. Blood is strong. Blood is powerful. But here it's not our blood that buys us this bond. It's Christ's blood that bonds us all together. Jesus, who binds us all together with his good gifts. And when we go and have devotion. It is simply us responding to the gift he has given to us with love and loyalty and enthusiasm for the great gifts he's blessed us with. A lot of times we talk about devotion. We, we say, go home and now have devotions. What does that even mean? So last week, Pastor Milky handed you out these, right? The Eucharist things. Thank you for coming back this week. Uh, Pastor Milky handed these out and said, you're invited. It's an invitation. It's a save the date. Every Sunday or Saturday, you're invited to come partake of the body and blood of Christ with us. Love to have you. And it's a great joy to have you even today. So we have that. This week, I printed out a little booklet, which is a family devotion booklet. Because you matter. And I want to try to give you whatever I can to help support you guys and your family faith. And maybe you're doing this or maybe you're not. But in the front, it's just morning prayer. In fact, last week at confirmation camp, this is what we use. This is what we use with the kids. Fifth graders can do this just fine. We use morning prayer. And it goes through the creeds and the commandments and then has a place for our prayers. And then it has a blessing. We end each morning with a blessing. And then it says this little thing at the bottom. Now go joyfully about your work this day. Whatever that is. And then there's an evening blessing. 
to do at the end of a day, including your prayers. And it says, go joyfully to bed or other tasks as needed, preparing your heart to greet the Lord in the morning. And then on the back, for those who might be interested, there's some mealtime prayers, before and after. Maybe you get to the dinner table and you, you just don't know what to pray. Here's some options. So on the way out of church today, each of you, each family is going to get one of these. And I encourage you, use them. Use them. And I even, I tested this out today. This, if you put it on your fridge, will hold this in place. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Why do I care? Why, why do I care that you have devotion in your life? It doesn't affect me, right? No. I, I care because I love Jesus and I love you guys. And, and as I'm on this journey, because it's a struggle for me, We've got kids bouncing off walls and jumping over things. It's a struggle sometimes. But I I want Jesus to be what my kids know every morning and every night and all through their day. And I pray this is a blessing to you that Jesus, who dwells in your home, may be known in your home and throughout your home. We're all part of this family who have received these very real promises from our God. And these promises are for our life. And this rhythm helps us direct our life to Jesus. So much of this world is chaos. So much of it. This rhythm sets us, cements us in the one true reality of Jesus who never changes, but always offers himself for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand as we take a moment.